uh, the latter half of this particular psalm, Psalm 78, and we'll begin in verse number 9, Psalm 78 and uh, verse number 9. The children of Ephraim, okay, so this is one of the tribes of Israel, so understand this. Uh, this is one of the groups of folks. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law and forget His works and His wonders that He had showed them. Notice this in verse 12, and these are the sad things that I think are part of this passage. Marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand up as a heap, as stand as a heap. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud, and all the night with a, a lit, was a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. I want us to understand something here, that the children of Ephraim, they, they did not follow after God. And this was in the face of their fathers who had seen firsthand God working. I, I'm, I'm saddened as I read these verses in verse 9 and 10 that the Bible says that being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. I believe is a very telling telling tale of the society that we live in today. Uh, our young people, we are intent on giving them everything. We're intent on making their life easier and preparing them for life, so to speak, and making sure they have the right education, making sure they have the right tools to succeed in life. And we do all of this many times at the expense of reaching the heart. Uh, we, we deal with things outwardly for the generation to come. And we think that we have done our service by them. I've used this illustration many times before. It's nothing new. But, but it is a true thing. And I, there's a, a fellow who um, wrote a book years ago called Rushing Towards uh, uh, Gomorrah. And the, uh, the inside it, he has a premise called Defining Deviance Down. And what he, what he illustrates in that book, and I'd heard this principle even before I'd read that book, but uh, in the illustration of this particular principle, he mentions the fact that every generation has a moral center. And then they have extremes to which they will go. And there's a certain distance that we are comfortable going from our moral center and still be okay. But there is always a line, isn't there? There's always a line that when we step across that, it goes from being moral to being deviant. From being something that is right to being something that is wrong. And all of us have those lines. Some of them are in different places than others. I don't have the same lines maybe that you have or vice versa. All of us have these lines. And what this fellow's premise was, and I think that there are even biblical implications of this, is that oftentimes the generation that comes after, the, the children of this person, will center their moral center at the extreme of their parents. And uh, the idea being then that they uh, will center that there in just, just this side of being wrong, and they will say, okay, I, I have some things I do extremely good uh, that are above and beyond the call of duty, and those would be really kind of at the moral center of my mom and dad. The very best that I have would be kind of their center. But then I have my moral center, and it's very borderline to where mom and dad would have been deviant. And then I have what I consider to be deviant. 
and my children are going to center their morals there. And it continues. About every three to four, maybe five generations, we see sometimes a revival take place where God takes someone who has been so removed by deviancy that they come back to God. But we cannot always count on that because oftentimes that is not the case. We find that we're living in a generation, and I'll be real frank with you, that forgot God. Uh, back in the 70s, I uh, uh, saw a lot of things going on. And in the 80s, there was an article written by Time Magazine. I've shared this with you before, that the cover story was the generation that forgot God. The idea that we were raising a generation uh, from some of the folks that had been raised in the 60s and 70s, the anti-establishment group and uh, the, the hippie crowd, if you will, and they raised children, and they raised them without God in mind, and didn't take them to church, didn't, didn't teach them about the things of the Lord. And then those children raised a generation. We're now on a third or fourth generation from those that have been so far removed, and we're living in a day of deviancy. And the question I ask is, what is our responsibility to the next generation? Do we just look at this and bite our nails and say, oh my, the world is in chaos and the world is in trouble and the morals of our society are declining rapidly and men have forgotten God? Or do we look at the Bible and realize that you and I have a responsibility not only to our generation, but to the generation to come? The truth of the matter is the Bible is very clear about this. Here's a group, the children of Ephraim. They were given all the things that they needed. They had in their hands, notice in verse number 9, they were armed and they were carrying bows. These, these folks had the tools to accomplish what needed to be done. They'd been given the things that they needed to be given outwardly, but their hearts were far from the Lord. They turned back in the day of battle when they were proven, when they were set to the test and they had to deal with things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid in the day that we live, we focus with the next generation on giving material things to them and helping them as far as the world is concerned and not dealing with the spiritual side of things with them. How often do we sit and talk with our children about the things of God versus how often we sit and talk about the score of the, the, the pro football team that we just watched? How often do we sit and discuss Bible character with our children? How often do we sit and discuss this, the story of salvation with our children versus how much time we spend teaching them how to hunt? how to sew or how to cook, how to ride a go-kart. We do all these things. We give them all these things in their hands. And the truth is, when they're put to the test and we come to the day of battle, the time where they are in such need, they turn back. We're raising generation after generation and we're paying the price for it in the day that we live. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Judges, chapter number 2. Judges chapter number 2, <clears throat> verse number 6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen, notice this, who had seen all the great works of the Lord and that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose a generation, what are the next two words? 
after them. Folks, there's a generation coming after us. There arose a generation after them, notice what the Bible says, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. I tell you, those are sad words. Because we're living in a day where even among God's people, even in, in Christian churches, even in churches that are doctrinally sound, we're seeing young people by the droves that graduate from their high schools and they go out into the world and they don't set foot back inside of a church again. Why? Where are we going wrong? We're raising generations of young people who knew not the Lord or yet the works which He had done for Israel. I've looked at this and I've, I've, I've hurt over it. I've puzzled over it. There's times I think, Lord, why are we failing? Why are we losing this? Why are we missing these things? I think there are some things that the Bible teaches and I've stated the problem. I've stated the situation that we find ourselves in in the day that we're living. Does the Bible have the answer for the solution? I believe it does. Aren't you glad the Bible has the answers? I want to take a few moments to help us with some things that I think the Bible teaches that are very, very clear that would help us to invest not just in our generation, but in the generation of those to come. We have a young people sitting right down here on the front row this, this morning, this afternoon. What about them? What about their generation? What is our responsibility toward them? Are we responsible? Are there things that God expects you and I to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because we're going to look at it. All right? Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Titus, chapter number 2. Titus, chapter number 2. Titus, chapter 2, and we'll begin uh, reading in verse number 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Notice this. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to wine, not much wine, teachers of good things. Now, notice that God deals with, first of all, the aged men and what their character is. And then he deals with the aged women and what their character is. He does that in verses 2 and 3. And then he starts in verse number 4 by saying this. This is why he deals with it. Verse number 4, "...that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed." Young men, likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So we are to teach those that are younger, us elder parents, us other elder church members, elder, the Bible refers to them as aged men and aged women, and... Um, we like to call them well-seasoned here, I guess, maybe. We don't like to use the word aged. I was talking to Dave here a little bit ago after the service, and, uh, you know, there's things that happen because we have too many birthdays, and just that way that it happens. 
Paul's teaching Titus here. He says, listen, there are some things you need to be teaching that are sound doctrine. And one of the things you need to teach is that the men have character. The aged men of your church, make sure they are what they ought to be. Make sure the aged women have character so that they are what they ought to be. So that they can influence the generation to come. So that the aged women can teach the young ladies. So that the aged men can teach the young men. There's the importance of this. And notice the order in which he deals with this. He deals with their life first, and then he deals with what's taught. I think it's very, very important that you and I understand this. I've told folks before when people have asked my family how uh, my brothers and sisters uh, didn't, you know, we didn't have any of us go out and just be rebellious and run off and forsake God and church and go off into sin somewhere. I mean, we're not perfect, but all of my brothers and sisters go to church every week. They, uh, they serve the Lord every week. They're involved in their church and uh, do things. They teach classes and they do, do things. And, and people have asked sometimes, because preacher's kids are notoriously known as those that uh, mess up or go, go wayward. And one of the things that I think, and I'm not saying this is it in every case, but people have asked me before why it was that in, in, in our family that it seemed like uh, all of my brothers and sisters did, did what was right. And the only thing I could point to, and I've talked to them about this, is that mom and dad were at home what they taught when they were out in public. They didn't teach something that they weren't willing to live. And one of the things I think Paul is trying to address here when he teaches Titus these things is he's saying, listen, make sure that when these aged women and these aged men invest in the young people and invest in the generation to come, that they are living what they teach. It's so important. If you're going to teach a young man to have integrity, then have integrity. If you're going to teach a young lady to dress modestly and to be pure, then you better dress modestly and be pure. You're going to teach young men to speak, uh, having sound, sound, uh, sound speech, which means to let their word be a bond. Say, if I'm going to say it, I'm going to do it. Then you better be that type of a person. Don't teach them something that you're not willing to live yourself. In Psalm 78, if you will, turn back there as we come back to where we began the message. Psalm 78. We began to look at the children of Ephraim in verse number 9. It says that they, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept the, not the covenant of, the Lord, of God and refused to walk in His law. We are reaping what verse number 10 speaks about in the day that we live because we have not taken the time to invest not only in our generation but in the generation to come. Folks, we've got a responsibility God has given us a responsibility that we are to invest in these young people here on this front row and sitting back there in that PA booth and young people that are in Festus and in Crystal City, those that are in Jefferson County. You and I have been given a responsibility not just to reach our generation, but to invest in the lives of those to come. We're to do so by teaching them the things that become sound doctrine. Now notice as we get to Psalm 78, we're going to take now a look at the first portion of this psalm. Because I believe that there is something taught here that is very, very critical that falls in line with Titus chapter number 2. 
Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears uh, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known of our fathers. And our fathers have what? Have told us. The psalmist says, listen, I'm going to, I, I want you to give ear because I'm getting ready to, to tell you the law. And I want you to incline your ears to it. And these are things that I was taught by my father. And his father was taught by his father. That's what he's saying here in verse 3. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation, what are the next two words? To come, not just our generation. But the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Can I tell you this? There are two things here that I think are shown in verse number 4. Number one is who God is. And the second thing is the works that He does. Look what it says here. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength. That's getting to know God. And His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established, notice this, verse 5, a testimony in Jacob and appointed a what? Law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Two things here. We must have a testimony and we must teach them the law of God. Both go hand in hand. One is not to be divorced from the other. You don't teach the law of God without having the testimony to back it up. Nor do you try to reach your kids by just living right in front of them and never teaching them God's law. It requires both. The psalmist says this, For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. Why? Verse number 6, that the generation to come might know them. Might know them what? They might know the testimony. They might know the law of God. Even the children which should be born, who should arise, notice this, and declare them to who? Their children. That they might set their hope in God and not... Forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Wait a minute. What was said about Ephraim here just a few verses down? Verse number 11. They forgot His works, His wonders that He had showed them. Marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. How could they forget? The fathers did not do their responsibility, did they? We have a responsibility to the generation to come. And I fear in the day that we live that we are not taking that responsibility seriously. In our churches, in our homes, we not only show our kids by our testimony, but we also teach them by God's Word. And that we not only teach them by God's Word, but we also show them with our testimony. Both must happen. 
we have a responsibility. There's no doubt about it. And I don't think anybody here today would ever say, Pastor, I don't have a responsibility for my generation. I certainly think we all understand that truth. What I fear we miss often is what is our responsibility to the generation to come? Some of us don't have very many more years left. I'll tell you this, we've learned some things in our life, though, haven't we? You think, you think maybe, maybe, that God might be right in this thing? That maybe we know some things and have learned some things about God and about His works that we could teach these young people? I'm all for Sunday school classes. I think children ought to learn the Bible. I think they ought to know the stories of Scripture. There's no substitute for an elder man or an elder woman to invest in a young person. And by testimony and by teaching with their mouth the things that God has taught in His Word, to invest in them the things that God has shown us over the years. That God has taught us the sound doctrine. Folks, if we don't do it, our young people will grow up and they will be swayed by every wind of doctrine that comes around. They will wind up in churches that teach according to man's thoughts and man's philosophies. They will end up in ministries at best that water down the truth of God's Word and will not preach it. Or they will drop out of church altogether. Our young people need to see God. They need to see Him in us. They need to know Him. They need to learn about Him. Are we, are we aware? Are we focused on? Are we diligent in our responsibility to the generations to come? I'm hoping this year and praying this year that God will allow us to do more even with young people in our church. It's going to take some investment of time. It's going to take some investment of effort. It's going to take some folks that are tired in life. We're aged. We don't have the energy we used to have. I'll be honest with you. I've taken some of these boys camping with me. They wear me out just talking to them. Don't you have to go camping for that, Ronnie says. It's going to take an investment, but we have a responsibility. It is our responsibility. God has put that in our hands to invest in the generation to come. I want to encourage us to think about these things and ponder and pray about what God would have us to do. And then let's do it. Okay? Let's do it. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Lord, may we be focused on what we are to do, what our responsibility is to the generation to come. Lord, our young people are growing up not knowing what standards are, not knowing what morals are, not knowing what character is all about, not knowing what common courtesy is. Lord, may we take Your Word and show them. May they learn. May they understand it. And may they grab a hold of it and and embrace it and Make it something that was a part of their life that when their generation that comes after them comes into contact with them, they will take and share the same thing with that generation. And they would teach their children, and their children would teach their children. Father, may we not drop the ball in our generation. May we not neglect it. May we pick up the torch. May we pick up the, 
the yoke of this particular burden, this particular responsibility. And may we bear it. And may we uh, work and labor in it to see a generation that will come out of this place that loves you with all of their heart, longs to please you with their lives. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.